We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, and our guest this week is Todd Benzman, an analyst at the Center, and we're having him on because he's on the ground in Texas and has written on the issue I want to talk about this week, which is Governor Greg Abbott's effort to slow down truck traffic across the Rio Grande from Mexico. There's a huge amount of imports coming across by truck, and obviously the state of Texas has no authority on immigration or customs issues, but it does have authority to stop trucks after they've cleared the border to do safety checks on the trucks themselves, you know, the brakes and the lights and what have you, all of that. So he had his people do very detailed, meticulous, careful safety checks on trucks on these very busy bridges, backing up traffic for miles. And essentially, it was a kind of warning, a shot across the bow to both Mexico and to Washington that the end of Title 42 and the resulting disaster on top of the existing border disaster is something Texas wants something done about. Todd has been down there, written about this, and so I thought it would be good to have him tell us kind of what's the background, what happened, and what the possible implications or consequences might be. So Todd, thanks for joining us. And if you could just maybe fill in a little of the background on top of what I gave about what happened. Well, this actually dates back to Inauguration Day with the Biden administration's opening immigration salvos that sparked off a mass migration crisis that had its epicenter in Texas, especially in the Rio Grande Valley, and really irritated the Texas governor. This is a red state, but it didn't gain this sort of policy innovation until the announcement the administration was going to drop Title 42, which is the public health code rule requiring the, really since Trump, the instant expulsion of all migrants crossing the border illegally and denying them asylum. That Title 42 seems to be the only remaining speed bump to a really significant, well, the mass migration is already historic in number, but it would build by magnitudes beyond what it is if they were to drop 42. So this announcement came out and they were... Which they're scheduled to do on May 23rd, assuming they go through it. That's right, that's right. And some of the administration's own numbers from the intelligence community are, you know, ranging from 12,000 migrants a day to 18,000 migrants a day or 
320,000 a month to 540,000 a month, you know, something really beyond the pale of anything in the American experience, really. I mean, that's like well more than double the disaster they're facing now, in other words. So this is just to give a context. It's huge. That's right. And again, much of this would be coming through Texas. So Greg Abbott also happens to be in an election campaign. We should mention that. And he has a constituency that is deeply opposed to this kind of you know, sort of unimpeded mass migration through Texas. So he came up with some ideas. He's been spending a lot of state tax dollars, up to $4 billion already on Operation Lone Star to put large numbers of state troopers down on the border to kind of plug the holes and to have birds in the sky, air, land, marine and the Texas National Guard to try to stem the flow of illegal immigration, but more to the point to shut down drug trafficking and fill gaps where the Border Patrol has left the field to go do processing duty. But when it comes to illegal immigration, there's just really so much that the state can do. They have to turn over migrants that they catch mostly to the Border Patrol and some small percentage they have been arresting for criminal trespass, which is one of the innovative kind of ideas that they came up with. They're also building a state wall down there that looks just like the Trump wall and also a lot of chain link barbed wire sort of structures as well. I mean, they're doing really everything they can. But when it came to the lifting of Title 42, that was a, there was a magnitude of problem that Greg Abbott saw. So he came up with this idea to start leveraging the Mexican governments, state, local, and federal, if he could, for them to do something on their side, since Biden wasn't requiring the Mexicans to do much on their side. And he came up with this idea that we can take three or four state troopers and completely jam up the nation's busiest cargo ports on the border, which is at Laredo and Far with the PH, Reynosa and El Paso Juarez, and several other bridges that are responsible for trucking that brings in a very significant portion of the national import. So essentially, this was basically trying to do the kind of thing Trump did, where Trump threatened that if the Mexicans didn't work with us in slowing the flow, he would put tariffs or what have you, interfere with the trade. So essentially, it's the same, it's along the same lines of what Trump successfully did, but what Biden is unwilling to do to get the Mexicans to cooperate. That's right, because there's recent history where hardball with the Mexicans worked. That was Trump. This is during the 2019 mass migration episode where he required Mexico to comply with a variety of policies, you know, remain in Mexico and pushbacks and requiring the Mexicans to put National Guard on its southern border and on the northern border and to block migrant traffic and do deportations. And the way he did that was he said, if you don't, we're going to start with 5% tariff on all of your goods coming out of Mexico. And if I don't like it, it's going to go to 10%. And if I don't like that, it's going to go to 15%. And 
all the way up ratcheted to 28%, which would effectively destroy the Mexican economy. And Trump never even had to put the first 5% in because they immediately complied. They saw that he was serious about this. And I think that Biden, as soon as he came into office, dispatched with that sort of hardball, big stick politics. But Greg Abbott didn't forget it. So I think that he decided on what kind of a big stick Abbott could bring to the table, and he brought it. So when they started these inspections, safety inspections of the trucks, what happened? How did that go initially? It did succeed in backing up the traffic. It got their attention, basically, which was kind of the point, right? That's right. He announced it at a press conference on April 6th. And by the end of the day, they were blocking up the far Reynosa Bridge completely miles into Mexico. They just almost shut it down. I mean, to make clear, they didn't close it. What they did was by inspecting trucks with toothpicks and what have you, in other words, with real (laughs) detail, the truck still got through, but only a handful at a time. And this is an area where dozens or hundreds of trucks are rushing through on an ordinary day, right? Yeah, that's right. That's a very, very busy port of entry, that far Reynosa one. That's the one they started with. By the next day, they were doing Laredo, which is the busiest port for trucks in the United States. 1.4 million trucks passed through there in 2021. In total, probably about 4 million trucks passed through in a year on these ports that they selected. The El Paso bridge was pretty much shut down within a few days, too. And before long, everybody was feeling the hurt. So what happened? In other words, his goal was to get the Mexicans' attention mainly. Did he get it? What did the Mexican, especially the state governors, do right away? Well, immediately, because the first thing that happened is that businesses, you know, Maquila Doris and freight forwarding and every possible kind of, you know, produce associations in Mexico went straight to their governor and said, fix this. So within three days, we had the first governor of Nuevo Leon, Governor Samuel Garcia Sepulveda, came to the bargaining table and said, what can we do? And very shortly thereafter, they cut a deal, memorandum of understanding. That was the first one that the Mexican government, the state government, which has substantial security forces, they're militarized, their security forces on the Mexican side, the state security forces, to halt illegal immigration in general. Forget about the port of entry. They agreed to halt illegal immigration, which had not been on the table, at least in a public way. And then very shortly thereafter, you had the Chihuahua governor, Maria Campos, Galvan came to the table, and then you had the Coahuila governor, Miguel Solis, came to the table, and within a week, they had four memoranda of understanding that all involved enhanced security on the Mexican side in exchange for Abbott pulling his state troopers from the Texas side, and that has happened as we speak. The trucks are flowing, and these agreements are in place, and that's kind of where we stand today. Yeah, and the uh, fourth state, just to fill it in, Tamaulipas was the last one, I think, to come to the table. Yes. 
those are basically the four states in Mexico that Texas borders, so that all of them, within whatever it is, a week or something, cried uncle and signed these agreements. Now, there is a question as to whether, will there be follow-through? What can they do about it? The part of it is a done deal, but this doesn't mean the border is shut off either, does it? Right. So the big question really now is, what are the details? And we don't really know what the details are. We just know that Abbott said that they've come to him with very detailed plans, security plans on their side, but we don't know what those plans are. And I think that's kind of a problem because if the state governments are going to actually have an impact on illegal immigration after Title 42, they have to physically take possession of immigrants and return them somewhere. They have to move them somewhere or detain them somewhere somehow. And there's no detail about that. And I think that the Mexican central government would have to play some role in that. And they're sort of missing in action here. You don't really hear anything from the Obrador administration, although they must be involved. They have to be involved. Well, I did see the president did issue a statement of Mexico, like denouncing Abbott for doing this. It was actually stronger than what the Biden administration complained about. I mean, they, they didn't like it either, but they were, I don't know if it was coy or they weren't making as big a deal about it. But the Mexican president, his statement was pretty negative, it seemed like. Yeah. And I think Obrador, he's walking a fine line. He's got to keep things copacetic with the Biden people. But at the same time, he's got a problem. He's got a real problem. He's got these four governors who have cut deals. And the deals ostensibly involve moving migrants around within Mexico. I can't see how an impact that would be seen and felt on the Texas side can happen without them physically moving migrants off the border so that they can't step foot in Texas. and. One thing that's important to remember is that Abbott has retained the option of restoring his troopers to the safety inspections kiosk at all of these bridges if he's not happy. But he's not really telling us what the criteria, what the metrics are for when he might do that. And I think that if we're seeing just swamping huge numbers of migrants pouring over the border, then it'll be obvious to the public and to everybody that whatever deals he cut didn't work. And so he would have to then re-implement. Well, I don't think he has any problem doing that, but he was facing very significant internal political pushback from his own constituents. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, is that it wasn't just the Mexicans and the Mexican business groups complaining. It was also Republican-oriented business groups in Texas that also were feeling some of the pain, and they were complaining as well. That's right, and those are significant. Mexico is Texas's biggest trading partner, obviously, by far, and the Texas economy relies substantially on Mexican trade and products and goods and services and import. So it hurts Texas to do this, and it could be that Abbott doesn't feel fully incentivized to return these troopers to the kiosks at the bridge. But I think he will do it. He didn't seem too nonplussed 
by the pushback that he did get from his own side. And in a sense, you know, that is a political question for him. And since he already has won the nomination, in other words, he is the Republican candidate, that's already set, and the Democratic candidate is Beto O'Rourke. So how many of these business people are going to, how believable would it be for them to say, oh, we're going to go and put our support behind Beto O'Rourke, who's honestly, I mean, you know, I'm no expert in this, but doesn't seem to have the slightest chance of winning. So my sense is Abbott's in a relatively strong political position with regard to the business interests that are complaining. I agree. He was feeding the Democratic political campaign machine pretty well, though, because what he was doing fell smack dab in the middle of the inflation issue, the supply chain issue. You are making it worse for Americans. He really opens himself up to that sort of thing. I mean, Americans are feeling a lot of pain right now. Inflation is probably the number one domestic political issue. Illegal immigration might be a close second or third, but, but it's not like inflation. But he powered through this and got these agreements. And I think from from my standpoint, the thing that I'm looking for is whether the states on the Mexican side are actually having an impact in slowing the numbers down. And I'm not sure how they're going to do that. They can put police tape up at the popular crossings. They can put some bearcats and They're very militarized. The state police, I've been with them. I've hung out with them. They are full battle rattle guys. This is the Mexican state police. Mexican state police. Oh, yeah. And if they want to, they can do that. But the big issue for them is the cartels because they're caught. The state governors are caught between a rock and a hard place, the rock being Greg Abbott and the hard place being these cartels down there, which burned some trucks on the Nuevo Leon side to send a message that, hey, get these trucks moving. You know, we need to get these trucks moving because we have drugs on them. (laughs) And, you know, they also have migrants on them, too. So the question might be, if the states really do start cracking down, the Mexican states, presumably they could round up people and then dump them back in the next state back away from the border. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. But in a sense, the cartels will have to decide is it worth making a fuss over the migrant traffic being obstructed if the cost of that is the truck traffic being obstructed? I don't know, but my guess would be they're likely benefiting more from the truck traffic than from the tolls they collect from the illegal alien smugglers at the border. In three of the states, but in Tamaulipas, there's credible reporting that the migrant flow is so intense and so high that they're actually making more revenue from moving migrants than they are from drugs for the first time. The epicenter of this whole crisis is in Tamaulipas. It's coming through Tamaulipas and to an extent Nuevo Leon because the roads, Highway 85 and 40, feed the Rio Grande Valley its migrants. And if Nuevo Leon really wanted to cause uh, stoppage there. They could block those roads and stop them on the highways. I don't see any evidence that that was the plan, but I wrote that that should be the part of the plan because Nuevo Leon only has nine miles of border. So they can lock arm in arm the full nine 
miles and not stop anything because right. nobody crosses there. They just go up river a little bit, cross there. But the highways are a different story. Those are bottlenecks that go right down into Tamaulipas. These Mexican states are kind of gerrymandered a little bit, like some congressional district in Alabama or something, you know. Yeah, Tamaulipas in particular, because it's got the Rio Grande Valley kind of sticking up quite a ways. It really is an oddly shaped state in a lot of ways. But I was wondering, what are your thoughts about the way it's being covered in the media? In other words, sort of what's the narrative about how this happened? And my sense was, it looks like the media are saying Abbott blinked, that, you know, the business pressure on him caused him to backtrack. And it doesn't seem to me at all that that's what happened, but that does seem to me what the mainstream media coverage is suggesting. Yeah, I think that's, it's absurd. The narrative there is absurd. That's not what happened. There were some statements from the president's office that coincided with some kind of harsh words by produce associations and ag business interests. And then right then they cut a deal with Nuevo Leon. And so they just kind of connected the two and said, oh, he caved, but he had a deal. He got a deal with a governor. So, And then three more deals with the three other governors as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to me this also was a kind of shot across the bow to Washington as well and to Mexico City. In other words, the immediate result was these deals with the border governors. But the broader message, I think, was don't mess with Texas, as it were, you know, as the motto goes, that if you guys allow this disaster to turn into a mega disaster by lifting Title 42, that there's going to be consequences. And I can make life miserable for both the Biden and the AMLO administrations. That for sure. And the fact that Abbott is not feeling very threatened from O'Rourke in this election. Right. And like you make a good point that, you know, even his constituents who are angry about the stoppage are, are not going to vote O'Rourke in this thing when push comes to shove. And I think that puts Abbott in a power position to should he decide to he could completely shut down. He could do great damage to Mexico's economy, just like Trump. And ultimately, if he's not kept happy, nobody's happy. So I think this will be really interesting going forward. If the Mexicans play lip service to, you know, security and slowing illegal immigration down, or if they cave to the cartels and try to find these workarounds that nobody will notice kind of thing. I think Abbott is on it, and I would predict he's going to put these bridge blockades back or slowdowns back into play, and it'll be really interesting to watch. But ultimately, the only thing that matters to us here, I think, is are the Mexicans doing something that's actually effective? Yeah, I think if, as you say, the cartels decide they want to make sure that this flow continues and accelerates, in other words, if the cartels are explicitly seen as interfering with the Mexican state government's efforts to cooperate, that actually strengthens Abbott's hand, I think, because then he can say, look, the cartels are openly trying to negate our border and subvert our border. I think that actually strengthens his hand against the business people, because he can say, look, 
yes, it costs money, it hurts, I get it, I don't like it either, but these ruthless, bloodthirsty cartels are the ones trying to destroy the borders of the United States, and we're stopping them. Are you on their side? You know, it's that kind yeah. of thing. I think he's really strengthened by that. And remember, we have recent examples where Americans are being asked to suffer higher oil prices and inflation for the sake of sanctions on Russia. Right. So Americans are being asked to suffer for, you know, the Ukrainians, but I think he's got a good positioning there to say, well, why can't you suffer for us? Yeah, protecting the United States itself instead of the border of a country 5,000 miles away. My last question is, what do you think about whether this could affect the lifting of Title 42 at all? I mean, I could see the administration conceivably saying, well, we need another six weeks. In other words, they may kick the May 23rd can down the road and keep Title 42 in place for another month and say, well, you know, we're not quite ready yet because there are Democrats who are now complaining, not just border state Democrats, but Senator from New Hampshire, Senator Hassan, which is a border state, but it's the other border. She actually came down to the Texas border and and filmed, you know, an ad or something in front of the fence. This is not, now she's up for re-election, that's why. But given all that pressure and what Abbott did, you think there's a possibility that they'll actually kick the can down the road some more and postpone the lifting of Title 42? I think there's an increasing possibility. I'm getting close to being able to bet a paycheck on it because the chorus is growing louder and in more unison to just at least delay the thing. I mean, it was never intended to be policy, some kind of a permanent policy, but there are enough Democrats in close races, in swing state kind of close races that, you know, this is an extinction event for them. I mean, it's going to be you can imagine all the TV cameras would come back from Ukraine to have to cover 18,000 a day. I mean, you can't justify being in Ukraine covering the war there when you've got that sort of flow over the southern border. They're all coming back. It's going to be like, you know, 10 Del Rio migrant camps, right? And if you didn't like the Del Rio migrant camp, you're not going to like 10 of them. It's not going to be just Texas either. As Title 42 gets lifted in Arizona and New Mexico as well, and we have seen a lot of flow over Yuma and at one point even in New Mexico at Antelope Wells, it's not going to just be Texas. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be interesting. We'll see what uh, happens a month from now. Also, you know, I keep hearing about this new strain somewhere. I think they're going to suddenly come up with, you know, oh, there's this new strain out there. Uh, We need to wait till after November for this thing. Before we can lift it. Yeah, they won't mention, of course, that (laughs) Governor Abbott, in a sense, threatened them with a kind of economic disaster if they go through with it. But if Title 42 does end up being kept in place for somewhat longer, there's a lot of reasons for that. As you said, Senate Democrats up for re-election, what have you. But it seems like Abbott's bridge operation definitely will have contributed to the Biden administration's reluctance to lift Title 42, if, in fact, that's what happens. And at the very least, Abbott's bridge operation was innovative and ingenious. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that, that where a state government was able to assert itself into 
a federal responsibility of diplomacy, of carrying out diplomacy with a sovereign foreign government like this. I mean, it's embarrassing in a way. I mean, I would, and it's a, it's just unique. It's worth watching just because it's just nothing like that's ever happened. You would think, I mean, Arizona has a Republican governor as well. New Mexico and California don't, but you, I mean, I have no idea what the state laws are, so there could be different rules there, but it seems like this is something Arizona could try. And you're right, it is innovative because what the states have been doing, a lot of it is lawsuits. Texas has been doing a lot of that, but a lot of other states, Arizona, Missouri, Ohio, all kinds of places have done lawsuits related to immigration and border issues against the Biden administration. But Texas is the only place to take this kind of direct action, at least so far. Right. And it's physical, it's kinetic, and it's very low cost. Right. One of these bridges was, you know, all but shut down or, you know, severely slowed down by three troopers. Right. Who are already getting a salary anyway. So, I mean, you're not paying extra for anything. Right. Anyway, thank you, Todd. We'll see what happens over the next month, whether magically the administration will discover some reason to keep Title 42 in place for somewhat longer. I think you're right. I wouldn't quite bet a paycheck yet, but I'd bet something. And pretty soon, I think I might be betting a paycheck. Todd Benzman talking to us about Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, his operation that slowed down truck traffic from Mexico as a kind of threat to the Mexican and Washington governments to do something about illegal immigration. And it seems at least initially to have had some success. Thanks, Todd. And we'll uh, talk to you in the future. Thank you. And finally, I just wanted to draw attention to two blog posts on our site, cis.org, this week by Andrew Arthur, and they're dealing with the numbers of border apprehensions. You're hearing a lot about that in the news, and he goes over that very effectively in a good deal of detail. But really jumped out at me was the total, the number of illegal immigrants that the Biden administration has released into the United States since February 1st of last year. So basically since the beginning of the Biden administration, it's just easier. We're not going to be able to figure out the last 10 days of January 2021. So if you start February 1 and go through the end of last month, March, when we first have numbers, the Biden administration has released about a million illegal immigrants into the United States. Something like 840,000 of those were people who, by law, were supposed to be detained because they made some kind of phony baloney asylum claim. And the law specifically says they're either supposed to be detained or required to wait on the other side of the border. That's the Remain in Mexico program. And yet, over the, what is that now, 14 months or the period of the Biden administration, 840,000 have been released into the United States. Those people may some of them actually come to court if and when they, their hearings ever happen. But none of those people is going to leave even when they are turned down for asylum, as most of them will be, because they don't have any plausible claims for that. And you have to add to that something like 160,000 so-called unaccompanied minors who have also been released. Now, that's according to these loopholes in the law. So the president's administration wasn't breaking the law there, but his policies have incentivized even more of these so-called unaccompanied minors to come. And I say so-called because not only are many of them not minors, almost none of them are actually unaccompanied. They're all 
smuggled here up to the border by smugglers who are paid by their illegal immigrant relatives in the United States, to whom we deliver them at taxpayer expense. And then they await some kind of hearing, which, again, they may or may not come to, and even if they do, they are not going to be made to leave. So the Biden administration, since February 1st of last year, has released into the United States essentially permanently something like one million illegal immigrants. It's no wonder that the illegal immigrant population increased so much, bounced back so quickly, as another one of our analysts, Stephen Camerata, our director of research, recently reported when he came up with a new estimate of the illegal immigrant population. What he found was that the illegal immigrant population did in fact fall some early in the pandemic because there were relatively few people coming in. Some people almost certainly left because there's always churn. And so the number went down, but that it bounced back quite dramatically. And you can see that in this administrative data as well. Steve was using census data. The pieces by art about Border Patrol arrests are what they call administrative data, in other words, government operations data. And they're not always exactly the same because they're not measuring exactly the same thing, but they are giving the same picture. The fact is this administration isn't willing to do what's necessary to really limit immigration. Their plan for lifting Title 42, which supposedly is going to happen May 23rd, it's not to stop this flow, this historic flow, which this fiscal year ending September 30th of this year will almost certainly be something like 2 million or even more arrests, a record-breaking number of illegal alien arrests at the border. But the administration plan for when Title 42 is lifted and illegal immigration dramatically increases is not to do something to stop or slow the flow. It's to process it more quickly and more efficiently so that even more people can get into the United States. And the optimistic part of this is that the border crisis is already so bad and lifting Title 42 would put it on steroids that even Democrats are starting to complain. Democratic senators up for re-election in tight races, Democratic congressmen in border districts in Texas, and even, I read recently this week, a senator from Michigan, who is not himself up for re-election, but he's head of the Democratic Senate Campaign Committee. All of them are saying to the administration, uh, you don't have a plan for dealing with the end of Title 42, so keep it in place until you have a plan. Like I said, they have a plan, which is to let more people in, but that's not what they're talking about. They realize that the consequences of lifting Title 42 with the current administration policies is potentially an extinction-level event for the promoters of mass immigration, because this is something that cannot be hidden, cannot be explained away. And so I actually think that Title 42 is not going to be lifted in May 23rd. The administration will find some pretext. There'll be a new variant. I don't know. We had Omicron. I forget what's after Omicron, but there'll be some other Greek letter that will be a new variant. And they'll say, oh, you know, 
wow, we're going to have to keep Title 42 in place a little longer. I don't know that that's going to happen, but there do seem to be suggestions of that already. Axios had a piece this week saying that, you know, there were whispers from the White House that they were taking a look at Title 42. So it's not like that's going to fix anything, because as the pieces uh, this week by Art Arthur, based on the Border Patrol data, suggest, it's already terrible. We are in a record illegal immigration wave, something like we've never experienced before. But ending Title 42 would make it so much worse that even some of the mass immigration enthusiasts are asking for the administration to tap on the brakes, to leave it in place. I mean, I'm being cynical here, but at least till after the midterm elections. And so we'll see whether that happens. I think the smart money is on Title 42 staying in place, at least for another month, two months, three months. I may be wrong on that. If I am, call me on it. You can comment or rate the podcast if your podcast platform allows that, or just email me directly at msk at cis.org. And I hope you'll tune in to Parsing Immigration Policy next week. <laughs>